Welcome everybody to Worcester Park Baptist Church Online. It's good to have you with us this morning. Well, our theme for today is we belong to the Lord. So it's good and important to remember that, particularly at a time like this. So Ian will be preaching this morning, Karis doing our all-age talk, Kat Nami will be leading our singing, and Gervin will be reading for us today. We will celebrate communion, so please get yourself some bread and grape juice or something else that will act as a substitute for that. And we leave it, obviously, to your discretion whether the children in your household are able to receive bread and wine or whatever substitute you have. There are a number of things that are happening in this week. This afternoon, we have family Zoom. Later on, we have Wednesday social on Zoom. Uh, prayer on Tuesday and Thursday, again on Zoom. We have longing for God devotionals that are taking place weekdays at 9.30 on our Facebook page. So for all of these things, see the weekly for the details. Uh, uh, today, of course, uh, this afternoon, the family is a Zoom, family Zoom with Karis. It's going to be good fun. Lots of games and things like that. So do make sure that you get there for that. Uh, if you want details of things that are happening, you can, of course, uh, make contact with us by going to our website, which is www.wpbc.org.uk slash contact and drop us a note there through that page on our website and we'll get back to you with more information. Later on Ian is going to be sharing a message based around the latter part of Isaiah 42 and then Isaiah 43 and verse 1. I'm going to draw attention to that, taken from a different translation from the message, and drawing on a quote from the Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon, as well. We're doing that to uh, just focus our attention, and I'll lead us in a short prayer before I hand over to Kat and Ali, who will lead us in our first song. But now, God's message. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. Spurgeon then says, commentating on this verse, observe the tender ties that bind our God to his people, creation. The formation of them for his praise, redemption, the purchase of them for himself, and the calling of them by their name. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the wonder of your calling upon the life of Israel, of your calling upon the life of Christ, of your calling upon our lives in Christ, we thank you that because Christ died for us, that you call us your children. What a wonderful thing. 
We thank you for these words here of Spurgeon. What wonder, what grace. Father, we thank you that we hear those words echoing down the age. You're mine. So Father, we pray that you will lead us today and guide us. We pray that our worship will be an acceptable offering to you. Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, we pray. As we give ourselves to you, let us abandon ourselves in worship and love to you. Let us give ourselves over to God now as we worship him in song and in praise. Amen.
When it feels like I am falling And this world is overwhelming Help me fix my eyes on you And trust in the God who can't be shaken Oh, who can't be shaken
school lost property cupboard well I was once given the job of sorting out that cupboard well it was more like a room to be honest it was completely full of lost school uniforms so there were lost shoes and trainers there were lost jumpers and ties there were coats and jackets and waterproofs there were lost book bags and even lost trousers there were all kinds of things that had somehow become separated from their owners and they'd been put into this cupboard because they were lost. And I had to sort out all of these belongings and see if I could reunite any of them with their owners. So there was one easy way to do that after I'd made a manageable pile of all the different items. And that way was to see if they had a name inside them so I had to look on the label or underneath uh, inside the shoe maybe or the flap of the bag to see if the owner of the item had remembered to put their name on it and if they had then it was easy I could just find out which class the child was in and I could return the item to that class and it could be reunited with the child job done but there was always a whole pile of jumpers and shoes and coats and ties that had no name on them at all or the name had worn away or perhaps the label had come off and so there was no way of knowing who the item belonged to and I think even the actual owner of the item would have had a problem recognizing it because there were so many things that all looked very similar to each other I wonder how good you are at making sure that your name is on your school or work uniform. Maybe you write it on with a permanent pen or maybe you sew on a special label like this one here. Or maybe someone at home sews that on for you. Or maybe you just use um, an iron-on label, something like that, so that everybody knows that those items belong to you. Now it's a bit of a job and I know it takes a long time to do it but just think how much you are helping out the poor person who has the job of sorting out the lost property cupboard. Our names are really special to us aren't they and when we write our name onto something we're making that thing special too. We're saying this thing is mine and I'm going to look after it it's important to me and I know that it's mine and I need to keep it safe and I want to make sure that it doesn't get lost. When I was thinking about this, it got me thinking once again about my favorite Disney film. You all know that I love Toy Story and I love all the characters in it. And if you know the film, you know that it centers around a boy called Andy and his toys, especially 
Woody the Cowboy and Buzz Lightyear the Spaceman. And one important part of the film is when we see the toy's feet. Andy writes his name on the feet of his favourite toys to make sure that they don't get lost and so that everyone knows that they belong to him. And the toys know that they are loved by Andy because they can see Andy's name on their feet and it gives them hope and encouragement. And the toys also know that they have a very special job to do. They are Andy's toys. They need to be there for him and to give him joy and fun. So today we're looking at Isaiah chapter 43 together and we're thinking about the fact that we belong to God. In verse 1 of this chapter it says, I have called you by name, you are mine. We believe that we belong to God. He made us and he loves us and he knows our name. In another part of the book of Isaiah, God says that he has written our name on his hands. It's there for him to see and for us to know that we belong to him. Later on in our family Zoom time this afternoon, we're going to be looking at a friend of Jesus called Peter and how Peter came to know that he belonged to God. He met Jesus by the shore of a sea where he was a fisherman and he heard Jesus call his name. And from then on, he knew that he belonged to God and that Jesus had a very special job for him to do. I hope that if you're in one of our families, you'll be able to join us later as we explore this story a little bit more together. But now I've just got a few questions for you to think about. Whose name is written on your feet? Not literally, but do we know the hope and encouragement that comes from really knowing that we belong to God? Do we know that our names are written on God's hands, that he holds us and he keeps us safe with him? And do we hear God calling our name? Do we know that he has a very special job for us to do? However you answer these questions, remember this quote that Woody said to Buzz in Toy Story when Buzz was feeling a little bit fed up about who he was. Woody said, remember there's a kid who thinks you're the greatest and it's not because you're a space ranger, it's because you're his. So I'd rephrase that for us all this morning and put it like this. Remember, there's a God who thinks you're the greatest and it's because you're his. Your name is written on his hands. Thank you, God. This morning's reading is taken from Isaiah 42, verses 18 to 43, verse 1. Israel's failure to learn. 
The Lord says, listen, you deaf people, look closely, you that are blind. Is anyone more blind than my servant, more deaf than the messenger I send? Israel, you have seen so much, but what has it meant to you? You have ears to hear with, but what have you really heard? The Lord is a God who is eager to save. So he exalted his laws of teachings, and he wanted his people to honour them. But now his people have been plundered. They are locked up in dungeons and hidden away in prisons. They were robbed and plundered with no one to come to their rescue. Will any of you listen to this? From now on you will listen with care. Who gave Israel up to the looters? It was the Lord himself against whom we sinned. We would not live as he wanted us to live or obey the teachings he gave us. So he made us feel the force of his anger and suffer the violence of war. Like fire, his anger burned throughout Israel, but we never knew what was happening. We learned from it nothing at all. Israel, the Lord who created you says, do not be afraid, I will save you. I have called you by name, you are mine. Here end of the reading. You are 
very wary of talking about my own experiences in the present lockdown because I know that for some of you it's been a truly dire even traumatic experience whereas for me being retired with no particular responsibilities mine has been a fairly easy ride no work to go to nowhere to spend money no direct experience at the front line of the crisis so please bear with me if you've been suffering at the sharp end of everything we're going through at the moment. But I mention it because, for me, it's been an opportunity for new things. Some people have discovered opportunities for their creativity through art and craft. We may have seen some of their work, but for me, it's always been expressed through making software and electronics. The only problem is that these really benefit from being packaged up in some way put in a nice, neat box with all the controls in the right places. But my problem is that I'm absolutely cack-handed when it comes to metalwork or woodwork. I just cannot make things look neat, or even put the holes in the right place. But in lockdown, I've been able to learn a new skill, 3D design and printing. And look, I can now make things that look neat where the holes are in the right place and the right size. That's never happened before. A new skill that lets me do new things. Well, look what I've been able to use the time for in sorting out my workspace. Now, for some of you, I realise this won't look very impressive in terms of tidiness, but believe me, by my standards, this is pristine. It's immaculate. Just to give you a comparison, here's what a bit of a house I haven't got around to yet still looks like. Hmm. Imagine what it was like trying to do some work on my Raspberry Pi project, or a robot in that. Where are the parts? Where's the power supply? Everything was under there somewhere. But the mess, the clutter built up over the years was stopping me moving forward and doing the new things I wanted to. But now, I can. If I want an ultrasonic sensor, here it is, in the box with the label on it. Or, if I want a GPS unit, here it is again, in its own box, and with the right antenna attached to it. I don't have to go hunting for parts anymore. And if I want to do some more work on my robot, well, here it is, in the box, with all its parts. And all in the right place. I can move forward and actually do things rather than struggling with piles of debris from the past. Now, apart from coming out as the untidiest person on earth, you may wonder what this talk of new skills and clearing away the old clutter has to do with our passage today, but bear with me. I hope you'll see the connection by the end. Because today we start a short series on just one chapter in Isaiah, chapter 43. 
You may remember before Christmas we looked at several chapters at the end of that book. Well, we're now going to home in on just one of them. The one leading up to our motto text for the year. Caris introduced it for us last week. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do you remember it? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Now we're going to take four weeks to get there. I've only been given verse 1 of chapter 43 for this talk. But let's hold that motto text in our minds as we go forward through the coming few weeks, because it's where it's all heading towards. But if you know me, you'll know I don't like just picking out single verses from the Bible and trying to hang a whole theology on them. Because what's the context? Who's he talking to? What's their situation? Why is this being said? So naturally, we look back to the end of chapter 42 and find God speaking to his servant. We, we met this servant when we looked at Isaiah before. Remember, it was sometimes Israel and sometimes the coming Messiah, Jesus. But here it's quite clearly the people of Israel because they were in a truly dire situation. If we think we're going through hard times at the moment, they had it far, far worse. Because they were supposed to be God's people. Hadn't he called their ancestor Abraham and made him promises that he would be great and his descendants would fill the land and be the means that God would use to bring blessing to the whole world, that they would be God's own special people. But when Isaiah writes to them, they were in exile. They'd suffered a crushing military defeat and had been shipped off to the far side of what's now Iraq and Iran. They were a laughing stock to their enemies. God's chosen people, come off it. And what's more, they couldn't get away from the fact that it was basically all their own fault. Because going alongside the privilege of being God's people went the responsibility of actually living up to that calling, to obey God's law, to be faithful to him and not to go running off and worshipping idols, but those were the very things they'd done. And now look at what had happened to them. And chapter 42 does remind them of that. It said, this is a people plundered and looted, for they would not follow his ways, they did not obey his law. Now. We might be tempted to stop there with a firm and final, I told you so. <laughs> but that isn't the message we find here. Because after all the disaster described in chapter 42, chapter 43 starts with these words of hope to a crushed people. Listen to them again. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Those words we sang together just now. Because the context of them is a call to a people suffering in exile to come home again. To return to the promised land, to rebuild and start over again. Despite everything that had happened, 
that they did still belong to God and that he had plans for them. We'll, we'll be expanding on that hope and those promises over the next few weeks in chapter 43, but for the moment, just look at those themes, which we're going to find echoed throughout the coming sessions. I have created you. I have formed you. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. First, he created us. He made us. And as our maker, he has an affection, a care for the things he has made. Even if those made things have minds of their own and have wandered off from him. But more than that, he has formed us. He has made us into his special people. Now, that was obvious to the people Isaiah was writing to because he calls them Israel, Abraham's descendants the ones to whom God had given his promises, the ones he had formed into his own special people. But what about us? Abraham isn't our ancestor. We didn't receive those promises. Can we be included too? And the answer is yes. And all because of the next line. Because he has redeemed us. Redeemed. That word that means to buy back to retrieve something lost, and all because of Jesus. Remember when we looked at Mark's Gospel, how Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many, to bring them into God's family. So yes, we have been formed into a people, even us. He sent Jesus to call people like us, even outsiders ones far away from him, and to invite them into his own people, his family. And even if the promises of God to Abraham are strong and true, trustworthy words, we have so much more, because we have the life of God's own Son, Jesus, as the guarantee of our belonging. He gave infinitely much of himself to make us his, and he isn't going to go back on it. And he has summoned us by name. We are his. In another place in Isaiah, God says our names are carved on the palms of his hands. It's that close, that intimate, that we, with all our individual quirks, are known to him and are loved by him and belong to him. And that both as individuals and as a people together, he has a purpose for us. And that assurance gives us a rock to stand on in difficult times. Now, <coughs> talking of rocks can sometimes lead us in the wrong direction because it can lead us towards thinking of ourselves as being set in stone, unchangeable and immovable. Only God is the rock, sure and steadfast. For us, it's better to think of our rock as a place that gives us a firm footing to stand on as we look to whatever different things we'll be called to next. Less being fossilised ourselves, and more a launch pad for whatever God has in store for us in the future. Because one day, all we're going through at the moment will end. It, it really will. Perhaps we're already seeing the beginning of the end with the vaccines being rolled out. Even though right now we may be in the worst of the crisis, but one day it will end 
and there's a longing for a return to normality. But you know, it doesn't mean that things will necessarily go back to exactly the way they were before. Things change. And God, our rock, invites us to take our firm footing in him and rise to meet them. We've been learning to do new things. I remember before all this, when I was asked about putting our services online, my reaction was, ooh, yeah, that's a bit difficult. Um, I don't know if that would work. And what about keeping our sense of community? But look at us now. Online services, Zoom meetings. Yes, of course, we still want to meet together in person. That's how humans are made. But we also now recognise that people outside our building can be included in our community, can participate in what we're doing if we make the necessary effort. Or there's Alpha. I remember how in the past we struggled to get the numbers to a level where a course was viable, but look at the numbers we're getting now, even if they can only meet online. Perhaps we're seeing the beginnings of a new spiritual hunger in our community outside the walls of our building. Or think of the opportunities the hub is going to give us. One day, hopefully soon, the builders will be able to start work. And ten months later, we will have a whole new facility. One designed to be open and visible to our community. One to invite people in. One to allow us to find ways to serve them. Think of what God can do with all that. So, are you excited? Things may never go back to exactly the way they were, but the opportunities that are lining up for the future are so many, so promising and so challenging. And how are we going to look at it? Longing for the old ways? Or learning new skills? Clearing the decks for action, getting rid of the clutter, like I had to do here in my workshop. To be able to do new things, I hope, our longing to go forward to wherever God is leading us. He has redeemed us, summoned us by name. We are his, a rock we can stand on in troubled time and a firm footing from which we can move forward into the new things he is calling us to. Amen. We remind ourselves once again of the reason why we stand on a rock today, because of all that Jesus did for us, as Gavin now leads us in communion. Thank you. Thank you, Ian, for that wonderful message of God's affirmation upon our lives. So let us now gather around the Lord's table. So we come to this sacred table, not because we must, but because we may. We come, not because we testify that we are righteous, but because we sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. We come not because we are strong, but because we are weak not because we have any claim on heaven's reward, but because in frailty and sin, 
we stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So let us come and present ourselves to God. The scripture says, and the Apostle Paul says that it's right for us to examine ourselves before God, before we gather around the Lord's table. He spoke to the community of disciples when he did that, not necessarily to individuals. He was challenging them to the way they broke bread and poured out the wine, making sure that individuals weren't left out, that some were getting fat while others remained thin and some were getting drunk whilst others were thirsty. But it is right for us to think and to reflect on how our lives have been in these past days and weeks since we last received communion. What have they been like? What has been the pattern of our lives? So let's take a moment of quietness to examine our hearts before God. Now let us prepare our hearts in prayer. Lord, we come to your table, trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather the crumbs under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, your son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. Amen. We remember that physically when we were together, we would extend a welcome to one another at the table. We would say the peace of the Lord be with you and also with you. We do that uh, now, kind of as we, as we are, this socially physically, I like prefer to think of it as physically distanced because that's what we are, we're socially joined actually, physically distanced and socially joined. Um, but we let's think of it, we, we offer the peace to one another, um, the peace to one another across uh, the internet. Peace of the Lord be with you. And you might like to respond through, uh, through, through the, whichever medium you have and also with you. The peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray, giving thanks for bread and wine.
Before we give thanks, let us remember the words of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus Christ took bread and after giving thanks to God, broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let us give thanks for bread and for wine. Father God, we give you thanks for the bread and the wine that we're about to eat and drink. They remind us of the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that he spilled. They remind us of his life, his death, and his resurrection. They remind us that upon the cross, that he looked at those around them and said, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. We thank you that in his death, he secured us life. We thank you that in his death, he forgave our sins. And so we ask for your blessing to be upon this bread and this wine, these crackers and this juice, whatever it may be, as we eat and drink now. For your blessing we ask, and for your blessing we are assured. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in memory of me. Therefore, let us take this, remembering that Christ died for us, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Amen. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. So let us drink this and remember that Christ's blood was shed for us and be thankful. Amen. As we gather around the table, let us take a, a moment to pray for those in our country working hard in difficult circumstances. So let's pray. Father God, we remember all of those, the key workers of our country that have been that have been called on to ask of so much. For such a long time now to continually give for all these months father we think of those working for the nhs and given of themselves we think of so many of them that have been unwell over these months 
and have had to go back in and continue to work. We think of, of those that have worked in long shifts and long hours and are feeling fatigued and tired. We think of those whose expertise has been called on to maybe come out of retirement or go back in and be in, feeling the demands upon their time. Father, we think of those that have seen a lot of suffering. We think of the stress that they've been under. Father, we think of those that have been working for the care staff, working in care homes. We pray for them, that you watch over them, be near to them. We think of those working within schools, secondary and primary. We think of those working in further and higher education too. And all those working in special needs education too. Father, we think of all those working in, uh, in shops. We think of those in the supermarkets that have remained open. We think of those as well in the big warehouses and those delivering parcels. We think of those that are running uh, the post offices and the distribution centers. So many people called on to continue to work at these times. We remember all of those that have been furloughed during this time, maybe have felt marginalized and felt lonely during these days and weeks and months. Father, we remember those that have been working with charities, food banks, and many others across the country trying to do what they can to help out at this time. And we pray for all in our country, doing whatever they can, wherever they can, to help however they can. Be with us all, Lord, at this time. Amen. Amen.
as we come to the end of our service. Just to remind you, we've got after church Zoom coffee and you will see the details appearing just here in a moment. But for now, a blessing to you. Love with all sincerity. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And the blessing of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us all forevermore. Amen. God bless. Peace to you all. Amen.